We know that trauma goes from generation to generation. When you end up with a toxic person, very often there is a toxic person from your childhood in your life or there was some trauma in your childhood at the very least. So science tells you that trauma goes in generations, that if you are married to one, you are more likely to have been raised by a toxic person or a narcissist, right? And spiritual people will tell you that when you do the work, they say trauma keeps going until somebody's ready to do the work. And when you do the work, your ancestors are celebrating with you. I don't know if that inspires you or makes you confused, but I find some value in that. And I feel like somebody needed to hear this. So if it was you, I hope it helps. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks. Living with a narcissist can be difficult for anyone, but growing up in the care of a narcissist can affect your life in some pretty surprising ways. If you've done a lot of research into narcissistic abuse and recovery, you may be familiar with the term attachment theory. If so, you might also be aware that most narcissist survivors end up either as fearful avoidant or anxious avoidant when it comes to attachment style or anxious type attachment styles. There are a few things you can do if you're dealing with this. Number one, be willing and able to focus on figuring out your childhood traumas. Two, you're going to want to work really hard on learning to create and maintain appropriate boundaries. This one's tough for us. We are often people pleasers. You might also have a little bit of trouble figuring out who's on your side and who's not, as in who's going to use you and who's actually there for you. So you're going to want to do your research and find out exactly what are the red flags and what are the things you need to think about. We are raised by who we're raised by. We experience all different things in our lives, right? We have little bits of information coming from our teachers, our friends, our parents, our siblings, everyone in the world around us. Not just the people, but also the situations we're dealing with. If we, if we were raised in poverty, that's going to affect the way we think. If we were raised spoiled rotten and we never needed for a thing in the world, well, that's going to affect the way we think. If our parents were hippies, if our parents were lazy, if they were possessive or controlling, all of those things are going to become part of who we are. This one is going to hit hard. But the reason why you self-isolate when you get upset is because you were left to deal with your emotions alone as a child. As we grow up, we develop the ability and in fact the right and I think the responsibility to choose who we want to be. But before we become aware, before we wake up and we know that we are quite literally, and even sometimes after we wake up and know that, we are quite literally the sum of our experiences. Simply attachment theory explains that our psychological health or ill health is caused by the manner in which we were loved, respected, and cared for during our critical ages of development between birth and up to eight years old. Mm -hmm. And if we endure psychological harm, abuse, neglect, mental manipulation, or we are deprived or neglected or abandoned, we don't get to attach to a uh, nurturing parent figure. And without that attachment, we don't develop the potential to be healthy, high-functioning adults. So if you were raised by a narcissist and loved conditionally and, and had to mold yourself into the type of trophy the narcissist needed in order to get anything, and you will have not experienced positive and nurturing attachment, and that will have impact on your psychological health and your adulthood, it will also have impact on the relationship choices that you make as an adult. And so attachment theory explains through my human magnet syndrome book, why SLDs or codependents always choose narcissists because they only experience that type of love because they respond to and are attracted to people that fit 
what I call the, the relationship template that, that they experienced in their childhood. When you look at it from that perspective, we sort of, without even recognizing it, have a certain blueprint for ourselves that we become exactly what we are sort of raised to be. You might have learned through your trauma that it's your job to take care of everyone and hold everyone together, right? You might have learned that just to even have love in your life, you needed to serve other people or take care of other people. Keeping those people happy might have meant safety for you. It did for me. As you're going through your recovery, you're going to find some changes. You're going to unload some baggage. You're going to take a step back and you're going to look at all that stuff you've been taking care of and only keep the stuff that's really yours. You're going to have to let some stuff go and you're going to have to let yourself feel free to do so. Release yourself from issues that don't belong to you and from trouble that doesn't belong to you. It's finally time for you to create your own space so that you can be happy. Are you with me? Now, when we have a narcissistic parent in that mix, it really throws us off. You know, if you were raised by a narcissist, something kind of crazy happens. No matter what they do to you, no matter how much they abuse you, you don't stop loving them. You stop loving yourself. In fact, almost any personality flaw that you have, including codependency, which might have led you to be in a toxic relationship as an adult, can be traced back to your childhood. One of the best ways to begin to heal yourself is to become the parent you should have had instead of the one you did have. Become that parent for yourself. So if we're being honest, part of the reason that we end up with narcissists is because we are people pleasers. And when we have been raised by a narcissist, if we don't become a narcissist, we tend to become the opposite of that, a people pleaser. Can I get your number, beautiful? Oh, thank you, but I'm not interested. I mean, I can take you out on a nice date. Oh, no, thanks, though. Well, we could just be good friends then. How about that? Oh, uh, no, I'm okay, thanks. You sure, baby? I said no. I said no. Whether or not they're openly abusive, our narcissistic parents taught us that their needs, their desires, their wants, their standards were more important than our own and we were required to somehow follow their rules. And if we didn't follow the rules and do what they wanted us to do, well then we were inherently bad or unacceptable or, as always, not good enough. When I was nine, we had so much problem in our household that my mother in desperation said, you know, go, get out of the house. Take your little three-year-old brother and don't come back until it's dark. And so we would wander the streets, heading our way to some park or something. And at one point, my little brother, three years old, was crying. He was tired, so I whacked him. I punished him because that's how I learned in our family. Everybody got punished and hit and beaten. And he just cried anymore. If you don't stop crying, I'm going to hit you again. And I hit him again on the shoulder. And he would cry more. And I just said, my God, I can't continue hitting him. He's so little. And so I said, I'm gonna abandon you if you don't stop crying, I ran off. Now I'm a half a block away watching him stumbling on his little pudgy legs, crying uncontrollably, abandoned. And I saw, oh my God, it's how pathetic. He's just like me, abandoned in a hostile world. And I, anyway, I felt so much remorse. So I went back to him and I knew it was the wrong thing to do. No, if you don't obey, you should be punished. But still something else was at stake so I just ended up hugging him and I said okay you know it's all right and I began telling him stories you see there's this magical bike when you're tired you don't even have to pedal and anyway it must have worked eventually he stopped crying so then when I finally could go home I was ready to tell my mom all this trauma did I do the right thing or nothing and she heard three sentences and she said you think you're the only person with problem and this shame filled me up for even bringing up my problems anyway 
it was very traumatic and ever since then I had this big wound nobody knows nobody cares and now to this day one reason I do all these uh, TikToks and videos and all my books is like I know so many of people many of you have suffered and nobody has properly acknowledged it so even though I can't fix it I want to say I know how you've suffered I see you and so let me just help you give a little rest Sometimes we would end up becoming caregivers of our parents where we, instead of getting the love that they needed to give to us or should have given to us, we would watch them and make sure they were okay and we would, you know, take care of them, sort of almost like an extra parent. We would blame ourselves. We were consistently blaming ourselves and if our father was anxious and stressed out and yelled at the whole family, it must be our fault somehow. If our parents got divorced, sometimes we would blame ourselves for that because it was easier for us to imagine that it must somehow be our fault and, and that we could try to do something to fix ourselves. And quite honestly, in some situations our parents outright told us everything was our fault regardless of what your situation was chances are you became a people pleaser and that you believed you were not good enough and that you also sort of were chronically blaming yourself for every single thing that went wrong in your life and your family's life I don't know who needs to hear this but hyper independence is the result of trauma I don't need anyone and I'll just do it myself really means my ability to trust has been injured by people systemically failing me and letting me down you do need people we all do listen again and in your desire to be loved as an individual person you were also always trying to figure out exactly what you could do to make your parent love you so maybe you thought oh if I was quieter if I got better grades if I took care of the dishes if I did all the things I needed to do if I did all the things that this person wants me to do maybe I'll be good enough maybe they'll finally love me and when that never happened you just were persistently looking for love quick public service announcement never trust someone who defends an abuser and whether you admitted it to yourself or not, it was a thing. As survivors of this type of abuse, we very often blame ourselves for everything that has gone wrong in our lives and we look for ways to make ourselves better, which in many ways seems to be the only thing that makes sense to us because our parents teach us that they're perfect or that they're near infallible or if they are fallible then it's our fault somehow and maybe it just has more to do with the fact that we need to maintain hope we need to believe that things are going to get better and so if we can stay focused on how we can fix ourselves or what we could be doing better maybe it's a little bit of how we survive with that being said I think it's important to talk about one more major quality that happens to kids who are raised by narcissists and that is insecure attachment if a child who was brought up by the pathological narcissist and who did not attach in a way that would be healthy is going to find the narcissist as familiar and paradoxically safe because they know and have experienced their whole life living with that person and they know what to do. Attachment is defined as a deep and enduring emotional bond that connects one person to another person. Attachment theory basically helps us to understand our relationships and how our relationships with our mothers could affect us and our lifelong development and even our relationships with others in really profound ways. In psychology, attachment theory as we know it today was first originated in 1958 when psychiatrist John Bowlby recognized the importance of a child's relationship with their mother. It turns out, he realized, that 
Our emotional, social, and cognitive development are directly affected by our attachment to our mothers. Now, along with fellow researcher James Robertson, Bowlby found that children who were separated from their mothers would experience extreme distress. This would lead them to anxiety. And they assumed that this might have been related to the idea that their mothers fed and cared for them. But then they noticed that the separation anxiety would not diminish even when the kids were fed and cared for by other caregivers. Now, before this, the reason they thought this was because other researchers had sort of underestimated the bond between the child and the mother and assumed that the feeding of the infant was the thing that bonded the mother and the child. Well, Bowlby was the first to propose that attachment might be an evolutionary thing, as in the child's caregiver is obviously the person who provides the child with safety, security, and food. So he thought being attached to the mother would increase a baby's chance of survival. So first I think it's important to define secure attachment and that is our level of comfort with being attached to other people and trusting that that attachment is safe and okay for us. Dealing with having been abused or neglected or ignored or dealing with you know an emotionally absent parent or a parent who didn't take care of us in some way very often leaves us kind of flapping in the wind in our parent-child relationship. So when we go and we think about as adults getting into relationships with new people, other people, we are insecurely attached. We don't trust that attachment. So a couple of different things can happen. Either we can become the sort of people who refuse to connect to anyone and who just absolutely don't attach to people at all and who just kind of a lone wolf type of person. Or we can go the other direction where we get someone, we attach to them and we're like, nope, I'm not letting go of you. I'm holding on to you forever and ever and ever. This can actually go really, really far in the wrong direction if you're not careful. But one of those two things is happening. Either we're going to become avoidant of any sort of personal emotional connection. We're going to refuse to attach. That's called avoidant attachment. Or we're going to be so excessively upset, nervous, anxious about it, that we're going to do the anxious attachment thing where we're going to just constantly be chasing love, chasing love, chasing love. One of my favorite movies was called Practical Magic. And these two sisters, they lost their parents, okay? They were raised by these two aunts. And in the movie, they're watching their two aunts from the stairs, you know, do some magic spell on some lady who's desperate to get this man back. And one of the sisters goes, I hope I never fall in love. That's, she, she can't even imagine the horribleness of that moment. Why, why anybody would want to feel like that? Because this woman was feeling very desperate to get this man who wasn't available to her. And the other sister goes, oh, I can't wait to fall in love. See, so one sister was doing the avoidant, I don't ever want to be with somebody thing, and the other one was like, oh my gosh, I'm chasing love. That thing happens to us. So as we grow, as we move forward, as we seek new relationships, this becomes a problem for us. Whether you go with the avoidant attachment or you go with the anxious attachment, chances are it's not going to serve you well in relationships. When you were raised by a narcissist, very often you suffer many effects as an adult. It almost never feels like it quite goes away. But there's something you can do and it's called reparenting. Listen to what Dr. Robin Bryman has to say about how to reparent yourself. It's good stuff. So one thing I do recommend, I always talk about partnering with yourself, but people sometimes have a hard time understanding that. So I say be your own best mommy or be your own best daddy and talk to yourself let's say your inner child, talk to this inner child like you would being your ideal parent. Be kind, supportive, calm, and help them help yourself cope, right? And take your mommy and daddy with you wherever you go. You're the adult now and you have to take care of your own needs 
and you can do it. So what does all of this mean? Are you just doomed to a life of miserable relationships if you don't have the secure attachment style? Well, I've got a little hope for you. As someone who's gone through narcissistic abuse, you'll be thrilled to know that there's something called earned secure attachment. That is good news because there is hope for you yet. Like I've been telling you for years, it is possible to heal from narcissistic abuse and to create the life that you want. And studies confirm this, telling us that with intentional healing and focusing on creating the life that you want, you actually can develop something called earned secure attachment. At its most basic level, that means that you can sort of build a new attachment style that is healthier and better for you on every level. So in other words, it means you've done the work, you've managed to deal with and heal from any dysfunctional parenting or trauma you had growing up. Even better, you can do this at any age. Yeah, it's about taking the time to understand sort of where you came from and working to rewrite your story in the process. I think you can kind of see where this is going, right? So if you want to change your life, if you want to stop feeling like you're dependent or like you're not good enough, you have to start with self-love. One of the most important things we must remember on every single level is regardless of how you grew up, regardless of what your parents told you, regardless of what the narcissist told you, regardless of any of that stuff, here is the big important thing I need you to hear from today. You define yourself and it's time for you to know that. It took me a long time to learn that I could define myself. It took me a long time to recognize that not only was I good enough, not only was I smart enough, pretty enough, whatever enough, but I could choose to be whoever I wanted to be. It didn't matter if it wasn't acceptable to a narcissist. It didn't matter if my mother thought it was a bad idea or my brother thought it was a bad idea or anyone else in my life thought it was a bad idea. Only mattered that it made me happy and that it wasn't hurting anyone else in the world. You know, it's all about finding what works for you, what feels good to you and what makes your soul feel alive, what makes your heart sing. The thing that gets you going in the morning or that could if you found that thing. It's all about loving yourself. Ultimately, it's all about loving yourself and you don't even really, I didn't even really know what that was until I managed to do it. So I want you to start today, right now, by dropping all of that old junk, all of those old perceptions, those niggling voices in the back of your head that are telling you you're not good enough. That's not even you, that's somebody else's voice from the past echoing, all right? Let go of that stuff. Every time you hear yourself tell yourself I'm not good enough, you know, all of that, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not handsome enough, pretty enough, whatever. Say no, that's not true, Psh, out, get out, out, and focus on what you really do want. Focus on what you deserve. Focus on loving yourself and treating yourself in the same way that you would treat someone you love. Your child, your niece, your nephew, the, you know, the, the kid you mentored in high school, whatever. Whoever you would be kind to, treat yourself just like that. If you can imagine your child coming to you, let's say if you had a child, and your child saying to you, you know, hey mom or dad, this is exactly what I'm going through, and they explain to you exactly what you're dealing with in this moment, what would you advise them? Let's say you're going through a relationship with a narcissist and they're mentally, verbally, and otherwise abusing you. What would you say if your child came to you and said, hey, I'm being treated this way by this person who I love? What would you say to your child? Would you tell them, oh, just stick it out and stay, you're not worth it? Of course not. You would tell them to get their stuff together and, and get out of there and do what they need to do because they deserve better. Listen, you deserve better too. Please don't forget, you deserve better. I found a new technique. It's similar to ones I've shared before, but different. And I kind of like it. I thought you'd like it too. Give it a try. So first you're going to notice three things that you see around you. Then you're going to stop and listen. And you're going to listen for three sounds you hear around you. Just now I heard a cat meow. I heard that I need to change my smoke detector and I hear some, my air conditioner. 
blowing outside. I'm in the moment. Finally, you're gonna move three parts of your body. So right now I'm gonna move three things on my face. I'm moving my mouth right now. Then I'm gonna watch my nose. Can you do that? Also my eyes. Okay, so I've moved three body parts. Now you can also move your legs, your feet, your arms, whatever, but I think it's great. It's a great pattern interrupt and a great way to kind of get yourself back in the moment and then take the time to shift your mood. So the next time you're feeling stressed out or you feel like you're not really in your head, you're not really here, or you're just about to lose your mind and you need to stop the pattern, try this. Thoughts, feelings, ideas, more pattern interrupts you want to share? Let me know. Now it's time for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, if you found yourself with a narcissist, did you recognize that you were with a narcissist first and then recognize that your parents were also narcissists? Or if you were raised by a narcissist, did you end up with a narcissist? Or how did it all happen for you? Share your thoughts, share your ideas, and share your experiences in the comment section below. And let's talk about it. As always, thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. Now, before I go, make sure you take a look at the videos I'm going to leave for you right there and right there. And while you're at it, hit the subscribe button right there so we can stay connected and continue on this healing journey together. I'll see you soon.